Hi, my name is Lydia. And I'm Emma. And we're the hosts of Holy Ship. We are passionate about creating a space for women to talk about sexuality, their bodies, and all things relationships. We think that for so long, Christian spheres have often failed to address these topics with women in a healthy, shame-free, and open way. So welcome to Holy Ship, where we address all the taboo topics in a way that is honoring to you, your relationships, and God. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Holy Ship Podcast. We are so excited to be continuing our porn series, and today we are joined by Kelly Lamentier. Kelly is a faith-based certified coach specializing in female sexual addiction recovery and betrayal trauma recovery with an extensive background rooted in the human services field. Kelly is passionate about journeying with women as they move from recovery to impact and walk in freedom from the negative effects that sexual addiction or betrayal trauma has had on their lives and marriages. So welcome, Kelly. We are so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you. I feel super honored to be here with you guys today. So we were wondering, could you just start off by telling a little bit more about yourself, how you ended up in your career? Um, Yeah, just to give our community a little bit more context about you. Sure. So I actually live in Leduc, Alberta, Canada. It's like this smaller city outside the capital. Um, I am happily married to my husband. This is this is my important stuff right here, <laughs> right? I have I have three children, but what what really makes me blessed is my granddaughter. I actually mm-hmm. have a two and a half year old granddaughter, so I actually have to rave mm-hmm. about her. So I'm, I know that doesn't have anything to do with this, but we're going to throw that it. in there because she is amazing. I wish she was on here with me. Um, but yeah, so I am actually a betrayal trauma recovery coach. I'm a sexual addiction recovery coach for women. Uh, how I got into that is so unique. I never actually expected to ever do this in my life. I never woke up one day as a kid and was like, Hey, I think I want to do this for a living. Actually, I wanted to be a state prosecutor and this is far from that, yeah. but that's what I wanted to be. And it was back in 2015 when well, we were in 2022. So mm-hmm. Eight years ago was when I got saved, radically saved, uh, met Jesus face to face amongst my addiction, amongst my junk. And he just radically saved me right there. However, he didn't completely renew my mind. I had to do that part. But it was about a year later, I was sitting at my job as a health and safety officer, actually, at the time. And I heard God's voice really resound for the first time. And he was telling me how he wanted me to leave my job and just go with him and, and just follow him. And I said, okay, all right, God, if, if this is actually you, right. Cause we start to question stuff like that. I said, if mm-hmm. this is you, you're actually going to go and you're going to tell my husband first. Okay. So long story short, got home and my husband was like, is there something you want to tell me? And I was like, no, I lied. Okay. I lied. And he's like, no, no, there's something you need to tell me. God is telling me that you, you have something important to tell me. And I said, yep. I said, God is asking me to step out of my position. And at that time, ladies, I was like the breadwinner of the housing, mm-hmm. right? I was still new, didn't know much about God, but um, mm-hmm. I knew that my worth was real to me in my position. Right. But mm-hmm. God called me out of that. And I was, he called me out of that. He did a lot of work on me, but in the months following is when he told me to become a coach. And so I literally went into the women's prison here in Edmonton and started coaching women in prison within months of leaving my position as a health and safety officer. And then from there, it just 
blossomed and I ended up, you know, certified and then had other positions within other organizations before I really became a coach. And at that time, um, I actually chose to coach Christian women who had addiction, mm-hmm. domestic abuse, or had an abortion. Hey, mm-hmm. and I know that's a big thing, right? Like, oh, Christian women don't do that. Yeah, that's a lie from the pit of hell. They actually do, but we won't we won't get into that. Um, so I was coaching that niche of women to really walk into freedom when God ended up calling me into this, mm-hmm. into sexual addiction and um, betrayal trauma. And in order for me to get there, I actually had to do a little bit more healing to be willing to work with these women because my ex-husband actually had had sexual addiction or pornography mm-hmm. addiction. He had affairs. Um, and I lived through that trauma. Mm. And so this is really God ordained that I chose to say yes to him and just walk this out and um, be where I am now with, with women. Wow. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's just such an incredible journey. And I love how like, God just full circle is working in your life. And oh, so great. It, it's amazing. If we allow him First of all, let me back up. If we believe what he says, mm-hmm. right? If we actually believe what the word of God says, and I in Genesis 50, 20, he tells us, right, that what the enemy meant for evil, he will use for good. And everything that I coached women prior to, I actually had walked through, right? The addiction, yeah. the domestic abuse, and having an abortion. Mm-hmm. So so if we allow him, he will. Yes, so incredible. Do you feel like God was specifically calling you to be a coach? <clears throat> Excuse me. And not just, I don't know, did it, was it that clear to you that that's exactly what you were supposed to be doing? Or was it more of a broad, like, I want you to get out of this current position and um, like pursue women in a certain way and you kind of found this niche? Or do you feel like this niche was super um, directed towards you? If that makes yeah, sense. That's like- Yeah, that's a great question. So when he called me out of my position, I just knew that he wanted me to empower women. So this kind of stemmed from not only did he call me out, but my my baby sister, who was six years younger than me, who I was very close to, who still lives in the States, right? Because I don't live in the States. um, They said she committed suicide. She was actually murdered. And so when I went to bury her in the States, like when I was coming back, I said to the Lord, I said, I don't want her name to die. I don't want the enemy to think he took her. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up into these different places amongst the prison, right? Because my sister was homeless, yeah. by the way. She was an addict, but man, does she love Jesus. Mm-hmm. So God actually took me from working in the prison to actually working with homeless and addicted women. And then it just continually cycled where he was moving me and moving me and building in me what he needed so that I could go and empower more women each time, right? In him. So it wasn't like I had the set vision that, oh, I'm just going to go and I'm going to coach. Nope. He had to refine me in that, in those years, throughout the years before I launched full-time because I finally launched full-time almost three years ago now. But in those years, he actually had to refine my character at the same time. And I still had a healing journey of my own because there was no way I was going to be able to completely speak into the women that I have now, their life without showing them that I journeyed before you in sexual addiction because I have Mm -hmm. sexual addiction in my past and I journeyed before you in betrayal trauma. And this is, this is the promise God has Mm -hmm. on the other side of your yes, if you're willing to say it. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, that's awesome. So this season, we've talked a lot about porn addiction and porn just like in general. Um, But we want to hear more about kind of the sexual addiction side of everything. And then I guess one, would you mind explaining to us what sexual addiction is and then how you work through that process with your clients? Sure. So if we look at what the world says, right, the DSM-5, right, that DSM, like if we look at that, they don't even have sexual addiction in there. It's actually considered a compulsion, Mm. right, a compulsory behavior. Mm. But if we look at what scripture says, right, and I do believe that science and the Bible go hand in hand. I do believe that we are holistic, that we are mind, right, soul, spirit, and body, and we have to get it that way. We have to get healing that way. We can't just take one part and hope that it's going to help and take the second part and hope it's going to help. That's kind of where we go wrong. I think with the church and with the world, we don't amalgamate these things together and, and really help women heal holistically. So being a compulsive behavior, if we even look at it that way, right, how do we, how do we navigate those type of behaviors? But looking back at the Bible, what if we actually remove the word addiction because addiction is not even in the Bible. It's not even in there. Mm -hmm. What is it? It's an idol. How much, first of all, not that I'm negating sin, because I'm absolutely not. Sin is sin is sin. However, how much freer, if we were to look at it as an idol versus the world's addiction, where they say, once an addict, always an addict. I call BS on that, by the way, because the sun, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Mm -hmm. So you're not waiting for your next fix. You're not waiting for your next trigger, right? You're not. So it's, it's really shifting that mindset one, that what if God was more concerned about who you're becoming than what you're doing? Mm -hmm. What if he was more concerned about your heart right now than your behavior? And if we look at the way, if we look at Jesus, first of all, as a coach, he was the master coach. He asked questions and he asked questions of the heart. He didn't say, hey, go stop your behavior and I'll fix your heart. He said, let me ask you a question of the heart and it's going to fix your behavior. So I approach it the same way. It's like, how do we coach the heart so that the behavior changes? And it starts with intimacy with God. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much focusing on the, and I'm going to call it addiction just for this sake, because that's what people know as language, but Mm -hmm. it's not focusing on the addiction. It's focusing on intimacy with Jesus. Because Mm -hmm. then when you know who he is, then you know who you are, mm-hmm. then you're going to change. It's not the other way around. You need to have that relational experience with him. We need to get rid of this religion that says it needs to be done this way in 12 steps. One day I was praying in my bedding and I said, God, you know, women, they want, they want these programs. Everybody's talking about these programs. He said, yeah, I'm not into programs. I'm into reprogramming. And he showed me exactly in the Bible where it is. So, awesome. so, so it's really just shifting that mindset mm-hmm. that, you know, what if we looked at it this way as an idol versus an addiction where the world says it'll never end? It's so good. Uh, kind of on, I'll say the, not the flip side, but the other side of what you do for betrayal trauma. Um, one, what exactly would you say betrayal trauma is and what kind of consists of that? And then what does the process, again, look like that for recovery? Or would you say it's like very similar? So betrayal trauma is trauma incurred from a betrayal. However, it's actually deeper than that. There, and this is my perception. This may not be everybody's perception. Here's what I've come to see 
physically and spiritually in this, that it's, you know, the betrayal happens. And I mean, even when you're married, right, that covenant being torn apart, it causes trauma, right? Mm -hmm. So there, there is real cause there for pain and the suffering that a woman is feeling. But what happens is this trauma ends up colliding with all the trauma you had in the past. And that's what makes this so eruptive for you as a woman, right? And, and creates all of that turmoil inside. So it's not, it's now not just this we have to coach around. It's actually this too. So how do we, how do we really get there? Mm -hmm. And the process looks, it looks similar. However, even though God has given me processes for both uh, addiction and trauma, every woman's journey is different. I can never say it's going to be A, B, C, and D. But once again, um, it's, I typically start with triggers, right? Even on both sides. Um, I, I typically get the women to start there. It's, it's actually taking control back of your mind and you have all control of it. But how do you take that back after it's been invaded mm-hmm. and, and completely, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, completely messed with, right? The, it, the thoughts, how do you get rid of all of those thoughts that keep going mm-hmm. back in? We don't worry about the trust piece. I actually don't worry about the, the trust between the husband and the wife. Um, I start working on this side because I believe that's God's job and not mine. That's the other thing is um, being Holy Spirit led. I'm very mindful that I'm actually not in the position of God and, and taking control of things that these are the pieces he wants me to work on with them. But actually, here's where he needs to work. So I need to stay out of the way. Mm-hmm. So I hope that answered your question. Yes. I love okay. it. So do you think women have a harder time admitting porn addictions because it isn't as talked about as much? I mean, this is a part of the reason why we wanted to start a podcast. We feel like there's a lot of topics and especially for women, um, this isn't really talked about like we might have been talked to about it, but it's not really as open as it is for men. So just curious to see what your experience has been. Yeah, it's not talked about. It's it's not this big thing out there. Women don't, you know, there's there's no resources for women. It's all geared towards men like this is this is a man's problem. No, actually, it's a human's problem. So when a woman finally discovers that, oh, my gosh, I may have a porn addiction or a, or a sex addiction or a love addiction because it looks different for women than it actually does men, right? Mm-hmm. It really does. It looks a little bit different. Um, I, wait, I, I, have, I have a question real quick before, a sub-question. What's, what's a love addiction? Well, we can, we can certainly be addicted to love. Let's, you know, let, let's take, for instance, if you've grown up there's a, there's a father crisis. I'm going to say it. I don't know how many people say it, but I'm going to say it. There's a father crisis. Not only is it an absenteeism, but emotional disconnection too, right? Mm -hmm. We were designed to be in connection with the father in heaven in this Mm -hmm. healthy way. But when we don't get it here on earth, that's where you're going to see that distorted view and unhealthy view towards God. Mm -hmm. But it's our fathers who were designed to show us the father's love the father's compassion, the father's security, the father's safety. When we lack that, we're looking for it in all the wrong places. Mm -hmm. So you can literally be addicted to this love 
that you're searching for that really actually doesn't exist because it does, it exists with the father, but we're looking for it here. And that could be, I, I used to think love equated sex. Okay. That was my thing. Mm-hmm. If I had sex with someone, they loved me. Mm-hmm. That's what I knew. So there's, there's love addiction. There's, there's sex addiction. There's dysfunction, right? So, yeah. Mm. And, and so, and do you think that women have a much harder time admitting this? Or do you think that women are more introspective and good with admitting it versus men? Or is it kind of like equal? Um, I think women have a harder time. I mm-hmm. actually do. Um, I think one, because it's not talked about enough. Two, what's the stigma behind it, even in the church? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. We think of people, we think of women in sex addiction, addiction, excuse me, as like the women who work the streets. Mm-hmm. We don't think of it as the woman sitting next to us in church who is going from partner to partner, looking for love in all the wrong places, right. who live in a cycle of domestic abuse because they're just looking for something, but they're in the relationship. So they're addicted to relationship. Yeah. I believe that you can have all of these. So I just think there's not enough talk about it. There's not enough resources a lot of the women that um, come to me for coaching on both sides have tried other things for help, have tried to talk about, hey, I'm having this issue. And they get the worst advice that you could get as a woman, right? That masturbating is okay. That it's not selfish of you to do that and not have sex with your husband. Okay, show me that one in the Bible. Or if you're a wife and your husband has a sexual addiction or a pornography addiction, just go home and have more sex with him. This is why he's, he's acting this way. Show me that one in the Bible, right? We are not our husband's sex slaves. I always tell women that too. Like you're not your husband's sex slave. That's not, that's not what the Bible says. Right. You're not responsible, responsible for his purity. Mm-hmm. You're not responsible to fill his needs. Yeah. No, nowhere does it say that. So why? I just think it's done. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, why is it that, um, why do you think that it is that women feel so much pressure in all these areas, like pressure to not be able to admit these things or to owe it to their husbands to sort of fix them? Or do you think that this is from messaging from the church or from culture? Like it just, it feels like, um, women have so much more shame and pressure to worry about in this, in this area. Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. I think it's a combination of culture. I think it's a combination of the church. Um, and I think it's a combination of your upbringing, mm. right? What was the messaging even in your upbringing, right? That's, yeah. I mean, in my generation, being in my 40s, the messaging was women take care of their husbands, right? <laughs> even though there's lots of divorce in my family, right? Women take care of their husbands. They, they get in the kitchen. <laughs> they clean the house. Said no one in my house, but uh, <laughs> right. But it's culture. It's it's messaging. It's tradition. All of these things get in the way of um, even us seeing the truth of what what God's word says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So we talked with Matt, and I think Matt's your like male counterpart ministry, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> just wanted to make sure I didn't just like say that for everyone. Um. Yes. So we talked with Matt earlier in the season and he was talking about, oh my word, that conversation was so incredible. (laughs) I will forever just be reliving that. Anyway, (laughs) 
Yeah. So we talked with him about the rewiring process, like rewiring the brain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he kind of walks us through like some different methods, like how he like works, walks through that with people. Does it look the same for women or does it look like, yeah. You know what? That's a great question. Cause I don't think Matt and I have ever discussed like how we actually coach because I, because I oversee his women's side. Right. So he trusts me a hundred percent on that. Um, But I'm going to guarantee this is how good God is. I'm sure it looks similar. Mm -hmm. There may be some differences versus male versus female in that, um, but this is how good God is. So renewing of the mind is so important, right? The Bible says renew the mind. The world says, science says we need to rewire the brain. And we certainly do, right? We have created connections in our brain um, that need to actually be removed. So the process, I don't know what processes he uses, but I use different tools, right? Getting into scripture. Um, I have the women track their triggers, their thoughts, emotions, and their behaviors. And then I start digging into belief because it's all it's all uh, revolves around a belief as to why all of this has occurred, mm-hmm. right? So you have, I, I really get the women to see that the world calls it this trauma happens. Your brain is a template. It creates, it creates a template, right? And then out of that, you live your emotional experience and your trauma and the responses. And here's, here's kind of what scripture says, right? That, yeah, the trauma happens, an emotional a memory occurs and out of that emotional memory is your belief. Mm-hmm. It's our beliefs about that incident, that traumatic incident that keeps us locked in, in the trigger. Mm-hmm. So I always get the women to drill down to a belief. Like what is the belief behind that? Cause, cause here, because here's the thing, when you have a trigger, right? Any other similar situation that evokes that emotion in you, that belief will come up and that's the response you're going to have amongst all the next situations, right? Your future situations. So it's actually pinpointing where it came in and then drilling down to the belief to start working on that belief and bringing them back into relationship with Jesus so he can speak into it. Wow. Love it. <clears throat> I don't know if Matt said the same. <laughs> we might just use different language, but... Yeah, he said very like similar things and then he was also like talking just about the power of creativity too like when you're recovering from something and how like yeah just like creating something like trying new creative things and like I've been thinking about hit my table been hitting about my bird yeah so I typically address that in self-care so he Mm -hmm. may address that in like um in one area of Mm -hmm. his coaching and I think that self-care right I know the word self isn't supposed to be good I'm not even worried about that, but we do need to take care of ourselves as mm-hmm. women, right? We're taught that it's selfish to yeah. want to take care of ourselves. So it's, that's where that part kind of comes in for me in the creativity part and the rewiring over there that's getting women to take care of themselves. Right. And when you have like a traumatic event that happens to you, you like fixate on it and you fixate on, you know, the problem is the why the, you know, the what's wrong. And so I think it's really important to have self-care and all that because you kind of shift focus a little bit to gain better perspective because if you just like think about the one thing forever and ever and ever, it's like everything else spirals out of control around it. So I 
I really appreciate as a woman <laughs> the way you address and rewire the brain because a lot of the times, like just from personal experience, I've been like, okay, like this is why this has happened because of this. And that's not always true. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's really important to figure out the why and then to also have like new healthy habits and take care of yourself. And so, yeah, I think that's incredibly important. Um, yeah. Anyways, Lydia, <laughs> Yeah. would you, would you agree? <laughs> I 100% agree. <laughs> Ladies, we're not told to take care of ourselves. We're not told that it's okay that we take care of ourselves. And that's going to look different for everybody. That could you just be getting a freaking bubble bath for crying out loud without your kids banging on the door. Your husband like, hey, did you do the laundry? Right? <laughs> it could just be you get to be by yourself. Right. It could be simple like that. And even that's frowned upon. Maybe it's you go get a coffee and just sit with a book. Yeah. Maybe it's you get to listen to music. It's, it's actually, what do you like to do that you don't actually get to do because your identity wasn't, is, it's supposed to be in Christ, but you have it formed in your husband. You've got it formed in your children. You've got it formed in, in who you think you are now because of your situation and circumstance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when coaching women who have a partner with an addiction, what would your advice be towards these women? And they can, it can be like a husband or I don't know if you work a lot with um, dating couples or engaged couples, but kind of like, do you have different advice for, for the two categories or for women all the same? Yeah. Women all the same. Cause I work with both categories. Um, you don't have to be married, right? What if you could eradicate this before you got married Men, if you are listening, I actually implore you to get rid of this before you come into marriage. Yeah. Do your wife a favor, honor her, and get rid of this before you say I do. But my advice is, here. I think if I was to get all my ladies together, and there's lots of them because I have community. I don't just coach, and then I'm like, bye, never see you again. I bring them in the community forever. Why? So they can go and impact the kingdom and impact other women. That's number one. But you'll hear them say, this is one thing I always say, be kind, gentle, and compassionate on yourself. That's first and foremost to me. Mm. Be kind, compassionate, and gentle on yourself. And I always ask them this question, what if, what if God was actually using this situation to launch you and your husband into your God-given destiny? Yeah. What if we could take the off the negative. My ultimate goal in coaching, by the way, ladies, I must say this, my ultimate coaching with these ladies in the first three to four weeks is literally to get them to take their eyes off of their husband and get it onto Jesus. Mm. Let's, let's get your eyes off of what has been done to you. Yeah. And make this all of your healing journey. It's about you and you guys will come together in your journey. Mm -hmm. But what if, what if you actually just focused on you? Cause I always ask them this. What if, what if you chose not to stay? What if you chose not to stay with your, your partner or your husband? And I'm not, I never tell them to go or stay. By the way, I'm not Holy Spirit. That's not my job. But what if, would you want to walk around the rest of your life wounded? Mm -hmm. This is about you. What if mm -hmm. God was ordaining this moment for you? Mm -hmm. so, so kind, gentle, and compassionate is my thing. Um, my other piece of advice is don't do it alone. 
you're isolated, right? Women stay isolated. We're ashamed. We're embarrassed. People have given us some piss poor advice on what if we did this or how, how could we be living like this? How could we stay with this man? How, don't do it alone. Come out of isolation. Come into community. Come let us love on you, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so yeah. good. It's kind of my best advice right there. Yeah. So good. We're going to quote you. So yeah. okay. <laughs> 100%. Quote <laughs> away. Quote away. If, you know what? If one... If it just impacts one woman, mm-hmm. I feel like I've done my job through Christ. Mm-hmm. If I just impact one woman, because that's yeah. what it's about for me. It's about, you know, raising up this kingdom for God. It's not about me. Yeah. It's how do you impact women? Well, I tell you, you've impacted at least me and Lydia and through this podcast and through this um, series specifically. Um, it's been such a personal one for me. And so I've learned so much from like you and Matt and other couples that, you know, have, have gone through their own separate journey and have come back together. And it's just been so beautiful to see. And like for something that has been pushed into the darkness by the church and by our communities to see it brought to the light, it's actually like I, I see just so much more good coming out of it mm-hmm. than I do evil, which has been so surprising for me, but also so hopeful because it it's just, it's such a scary topic and especially mm-hmm. that one that brings so much insecurity and doubt. And so I've been thoroughly impacted and yeah, I, I know we have a few other listeners too that mm-hmm. will, will be, will be touched and we'll learn something new. And so um, yeah, that's, that's mainly why we did it was to impact ourselves selfishly, yeah. <laughs> why we started not selfish, podcast, but, um, but yeah, yeah I know I we're learning something there too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you're healing the rest of your life, right? Like, even though I tell women, we can deal with the triggers, we can get you so far in your healing journey where you're no longer impacted negatively mm-hmm. by this, but mm-hmm. we are always on a healing journey. I always tell them journey or healing is a journey, not a destination. Mm -hmm. That's why our emotions, right? They're indicators, not goalposts, right? Because we're always, always on that journey, Mm -hmm. right? Not a destination. We can't look to see that we're going to land somewhere. That's why it's impacting, right? And I get impacted too by people because I know I'm not there hundred percent yet. Mm -hmm. And there's still areas. Yeah. No, that's so true. Well, thank you, Kelly, so much for joining us on today's episode. We are just so excited that she was able to join us and just continue this porn season and help everyone in the community just dig a little bit deeper. Um, As always, if you have any questions or concerns, you can DM us or email us at theholyship.podcast or our email is theholyship.podcast at gmail.com. So we are just so excited that you've been listening and we hope you have a great week.